Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 382. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy that you are here to join us today. I'm also thrilled to introduce our guest, Karen Brown. Karen is an unconscious mind expert in the field of leadership and professional performance, and she's the CEO of Velocity Leadership Consulting. Karen, I am so happy to have you here. Oh, Kim, I love your show. You're such a great host. I've been really excited to come and chat with you today. Oh, thank you so much. That just makes my day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't get speechless very often, but thank you. You bring a lot of value to a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. You're making a difference in the world. Thank you so much. I would love if you would share your journey and how you got to where you are today. But before you get into that, can you just eliminate the question for me of what unconscious mind expert actually means? Yes. So it breaks down like this. You have a conscious and unconscious mind. And for the sake of our discussion today, let's just all agree that unconscious and subconscious are the same thing. Okay. It's really, you know, the automatic or seemingly automatic things that happen that are driven by your unconscious mind versus your conscious mind, you know, which are seemingly conscious choices, decisions, thought processes that we all go through every day. And for your listeners, it actually breaks down like this. And I'm shocked every time I share this with people, even though I'm an expert in the field, if you think about the difference between the processing power of your unconscious and conscious mind Only 0.008% of everything we do in a day comes from our conscious mind. Wait, only 0.008? Is that what you just said? Yes. How is that possible? That's why it blows my mind every time. That's how much more powerful your unconscious mind is. And that piece of science, that piece of data comes from how much more quickly our unconscious mind processes information, it filters information, and it actually makes decisions that then we sometimes think are our own decision, our own conscious decision, but then really drive actions and inaction. So, and this is actually why I wanted to become an expert in this field because, you know, for 25 plus years, I was in the field of business coaching. I was a leader, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and then became an entrepreneur and building my own company or companies. And I've always been a student of human beings and mostly using myself as a guinea pig, right? Like asking questions like, why did I do this? And why didn't I do this? And asking the same of other folks that I would be coaching with and just kept, you know, asking questions like a student. And through a 28-year dream and then subsequent journey of getting to the Ironman World Championships, I learned about the unconscious mind and these facts like how much more powerful and how much faster processing 
our unconscious mind actually works. And then when we can actually tap into the power of our unconscious mind, you know, to be aware of when it's working and what's going on behind the scenes and how it's driving our action or how it's stopping us from taking action. That I discovered was the key to everything, like understanding myself more and everyone around me. And then once I unlocked that, then I was able to apply, you know, other productivity pieces that helped me achieve more and actually discover my purpose, live out my purpose every day and, you know, be more happy and more fulfilled and more successful. You've got me thinking about so many things that I do in a day. I mean, I'm just going to use the example that just popped up first in my head. My husband brings home bags of sour watermelons because he knows I love them. I should not be eating them. Full disclosure, I should not be eating them. I'm trying to watch sugar. Mm -hmm. But he'll drop them on my desk. And the next thing I know, the bag is empty. And I don't remember eating them, but I know I have been eating them because I can taste them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I don't know if that's a good example, but I know that my my hand has gone to the bag and put them in my mouth and I've been focused on something else, consciously focused on something else. But in the background, that's still happening. And then I'm also thinking about, I'm looking at the tabs that I have open on my other computer right now. There's 20 different tabs. And somehow my mouse just wanders over, not right now, but during the day, I know that I see like on Facebook, there's 10 new notifications and I check it. But I didn't want to check it, but my mouse just went to that tab and all of a sudden I'm checking it. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that subconscious or is that just not? Yes. Okay. So that is unconscious. Yes. So how can we whip that? Like, I don't want to be going to Facebook, right? So maybe I should just close the tab so it's not even a temptation. But how can we get a better control over what we're doing unconsciously so that we can be more productive? Ah, great. And great examples, Kim. So first of all, let me share what's happening and why it's happening. And that'll lead us to what can we do about it? So first of all, congratulations to you on the the new awareness that you now have. You know, those two examples are unconscious because you're absolutely right. And we all have many of those every day. So the first step is just becoming aware of them. And why it happens is your unconscious is where your emotions, your values, your beliefs, and all of your experiences are stored. So your conscious mind can only store one gigabyte of information. And the rest, anything that's bigger or is going to sort of overload that system, if you will, is going to be shoved into your unconscious mind because there's infinite storage in there. So your unconscious mind, actually, if you think about it in a computer-like analogy, it is the most simplistic because it will do exactly what you tell it to do, machine, and very, very powerful. So, and here's a quick example of how powerful it is. If you say to yourself three times over, I am not hungry, I am not hungry, I am not hungry, you're hungry. If you say three times that you're not hungry, you are hungry? Correct. Yeah. Listeners, try it right now. I am not hungry. I am not hungry. I am not hungry. And And boom. I am hungry. Yeah, you're hungry. (laughs) Okay, the reason that that is, and write this down, because it is one of the 
keys to changing this is because our unconscious mind is such a simplistic yet powerful machine that will do whatever we tell it. First of all, it's so simplistic that it doesn't process, like literally does not compute negative versions of words. So when, when we say, I'm not hungry, it just throws out the not because it doesn't process it. It doesn't even know what to do with it. So when you say, I'm not going to eat sour watermelons, you see what happens. Yeah, I eat sour watermelons. You eat sour watermelons. In fact, you probably eat more because you actually say that. Yeah, I, I've actually had to tell my sons who are in my office a lot more than I would like them to be to just remove them from my desk when I find them eating them because then they're not even a temptation. Right. But I'm curious, though, like, I just released an episode called Get Rid of the Grimace or something like that because I encountered a grumpy person at the grocery store and I accidentally said something out loud that I didn't mean to. But I see all these people who walk around unhappy. So why doesn't it work the same for them? You know, if we use the same speech pattern in our head, I am not happy, I am not happy, I'm not happy. Why can't they just be happy, right? <laughs> Well, that's a really interesting premise, one that I'd actually like to study. I think we'd have to maybe go to Walmart for that. But anyway. Yeah, totally. That's actually what goes into the second part of why we do those things that you set as examples, which are emotions. And because emotions and also values and beliefs live in our unconscious and, you know, these are unconscious values and beliefs. So, and they're different than if I just asked you, Kim, hey, you know, what's your most valuable belief? You might say integrity, but your most valuable unconscious belief, or if I said, Kim, what is your belief about your life? Hmm. Do you want me to answer that? Or are you just asking it in general? Well, if you have an answer, yes. If not, I can just ask it in general. Actually, my number one belief about my life right now is that expect the unexpected. Okay, great, great. That's a perfect example. Okay, so the unhappy people that you're seeing in line, something is in conflict or out of balance, out of alignment with their values and belief about their life. It could relate to their business. It could relate to their work, their relationship, whatever, even traffic. I mean, it could be any, you know, surface issue right then, but whatever that surface issue is in conflict with, and this is why they are so grumpy and unhappy and, you know, probably lashing out or whatever caused you to say what you shouldn't have said. I just had to share. I said, what a grouch. And things don't normally slip from my mouth like that. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. I couldn't believe I let it slip though. No, that actually, I wish everybody would do that because actually that gives someone the awareness. It sort of wakes them up and yeah, they might react, you know, right then. Yeah, and, I you ran know, so I didn't have to deal with the reaction. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I'll be the first one to admit when someone has actually said, like been brave enough to say something like that to me. It's really caused me to wake up and go, oh, wait a minute. 
why am I so grumpy right now? And then that enables you to unpack it because if you keep unpacking it, what you ultimately find is that it's one of those three things that hangs out in our unconscious values, beliefs, emotions, that's getting us all twisted up. And this is a term I like to use because when we are twisted up or we're tilted about something, right? That's when we are so grouchy that someone like Kim says, wow, what a grouch. Mm -hmm. And you're right. But see, the thing that I think is really sad about our society right now is that we don't want to confront anybody. Like we think that that is not our place or, you know, it's just not the right thing to do. And so we just back away. But actually, we're all human beings having the same human experience, only we all have different filters, values and beliefs in our unconscious mind. And being in conflict with those about something else that's going on is what causes us to be grouchy. So the best thing we can do for each other, how we can really help each other out is say, wow, do you realize you're being a real grouch right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and even if, you know, saying it differently, Kim, like you did, wow, what a grouch, you know, I really do see a lot that that opens people up, even if they react in the moment. Once they calm down, they'll reflect on it. And usually that leads to them being able to unpack it. Yeah. You know, I'm not in the same way. My husband's an amazing man and he does 99.9% of what he does exactly how I would want him to do it. And I haven't had to train him. I say that jokingly, but that's just Mm -hmm. how he is. He is not a morning person. And Mm -hmm. with our kids the three littles especially I mean they wake up crazy every single morning and I I noticed with him especially that there were just mornings that he would wake up grouchy and finally for him one day I was just like really do you want to go back to bed for an extra 10 minutes and just try it again and one thing that I've started to do since then is when I go in to wake him up in the morning because he's the one that takes him to daycare is actually how I would love to know I think this is conscious that I'm doing. Well, yeah, it is conscious. I've started waking him up, not talking about what we have to do, but more so talking about things to be grateful for and just Mm. saying, you know, it's a beautiful day. And since I've started changing how I'm waking him up, his mood has been amazingly different. But maybe it's also because I did say, really, you want to try that again? Because I'm not going to let you affect my day like that. Maybe it's just a combination. It is a combination of both. Yes. And this actually goes back to the second example you were sharing. You're now tapping into his emotions Mm -hmm. because gratitude, when you, you know, lead with gratitude or you talk about gratitude, it actually taps into uh, an emotional state and that lives in your unconscious mind. So, and that is transformative, you know, that causes you to be able to change your perspective on something, you know, the way you're looking at something, you consciously changed it from all the things we have to do to all the things we're grateful for. Oh, I'm going right? to keep that up then, because it really has been amazing. Yeah, just in the last couple of weeks, the shift that I've seen in my husband. And again, listeners, I love my husband a bit. He's an amazing man. But I wake up in the morning, not 100% of the time in a good mood. I will fully admit that, but Mm -hmm. most of the time in a good mood and it's hard 
for me and I'm sure for anybody else to wake up or to start their day with a grouch. Mm -hmm. Don't be that person if you are that person. That's right. Turn your frown upside down. That's right. Yeah. And even like when my kids oversleep, Uh I've even shifted that. You know, I don't just flick on the lights. Wake up. You overslept. Like, it's no, let's just handle this a little bit different way because or else I'll have to deal with grouchy older kids for the rest of the day. Nobody wants to deal with grouchy teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) True that. Yes. I want to go back to, you said our conscious minds can store one gigabyte. Yes. How is that measured? Because I have often thought about how I would love a USB port behind my ear where I could download all the ideas that I have and have like a 3D printer create them. (laughs) Do you have any idea how somebody could actually figure out that it's one gigabyte? Yes. Far smarter people at uh, prestigious universities have spent a lot of time and money studying (laughs) this. Yeah. And I've seen several validations of the same statistic. And and actually, one of them was from a TED Talk. And, you know, of course, now that I'm on the air, I can't remember the name of the TED Talk, but it was actually here in the Mile High City last fall. So that would be 2017 for anyone who wants to look it up. And this researcher was sharing that knowledge is actually collective. It's not individual. And this is where the research came from that our brains only, our conscious mind only can store one gigabyte of information because once it hits that one gigabyte, it actually starts looking for files to delete, for information to let go of. And it's rather indiscriminate, unfortunately. So, you know, the the thing that you want to remember that then, you know, once you downloaded all of your ideas onto your thumb drive, you know, in your port on the back of your head by your ear, you know, that thing that you want to remember, it probably got deleted because, you know, your brain, your your conscious mind was in overload, like no more memory, no more space. That makes so much sense because so often it's that thing that I most wanted to remember that I forget. You know, like yeah. when I'm driving to daycare and I have an idea for a blog article or a podcast, and I'm like, oh, I should write that down, but I can't find any paper and the kids took all the pens. I just had to remember <laughs> that. And when, you know, like two minutes later, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, here's the other key to that. When you say, remember this versus, I don't want to forget this. Remember in our earlier example? Yeah. If you say, I don't want to forget this, it's going to be deleted. Mm. Yeah. Because your unconscious mind gets into the act. But when you say, and this goes for everything else, you know, I'm going to remember or remember this. And that gets your unconscious mind into the act as well. And remember, there's so much more processing power and storage space in your unconscious mind that when you tap into it by saying, remember this, or just remember, and whatever the thing is, it works every time. You don't need pen or paper. This is not meant to be a pick on Dave Sutton Day, but (laughs) that would explain why he forgets the grocery list at home every time I tell him not to forget the grocery list. Ah. So I should start saying, remember the grocery list instead of don't forget. There you go. Yeah. Test it out. I'm going to. Test it out. That would it save us lots really of money well. if he just remembers. <laughs> <laughs> right. I didn't realize I was affecting his, his unconscious just by saying, don't forget. I say that to him all the time, too. And he usually forgets what I tell him what not to forget. So, oh, 
I'm just going to yeah. start saying remember. Oh, my gosh. You just saved us a lot of money and effort <laughs> and frustration. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. And hopefully for your listeners as well. Oh, wow. So, you know, I'm a Christian, but I also follow the, the law of attraction. So there's positive affirmations that people talk about. Is there any correlation between affirmations and unconscious, in your opinion? Yes, absolutely. And if I can, can I expand on that oh, real please, quick? Oh, please, yes. Yeah, okay. So here's what's actually happening and why positive affirmations and like we started with was gratitude, why those things are so effective. Because one of the things I actually talk about in my work with clients and also in my book, which we'll talk about later, is that when you can visualize what doing something will feel like, look like, and sound like, that engages the power of your unconscious mind. That's literally a doorway to it. And then when you do that, in fact, with positive affirmations, you know, when you're saying the positive affirmation or thinking the positive affirmation, you can actually make it happen more quickly by tapping into what it will look like, feel like, and sound like to achieve it, or as you are achieving it, if it's something you want on a daily basis, because it taps into your unconscious mind and literally says to your unconscious mind, this is what I want right here. This is what I want. And it's the fact that you've stepped through that doorway with the visualization and the, the sound recognition and what it will feel like that causes your unconscious mind to be even more engaged with it. And then it's like, you're just unleashed. Like you better get out of the way because your unconscious mind is going to like do whatever it takes to make it happen. Remember I said the most simplistic, powerful machine, you know, ever invented. Mm -hmm. That's literally what will happen. That will be like, Everything that you'll see will be from that affirmation when you do it that way. Wow. Okay, so how can I get my unconscious to stop clicking on Facebook so that I take the action that I need to to get the dream house that I've been consistently thinking about? Like I walk myself through the dream house. Ah, uh, yes, yes. See, the first thing I would say is, you know, the 20 tabs that you have open. Uh -huh, they're not helping. Yeah. Ask yourself, okay, what are the emotions that having these tabs open are feeding? Because there's some emotions that are going on there that you are feeding from having those 20 tabs open. And, you know, I'll just cut to the chase. All of us are feeding the emotion of love and acceptance and this chemical in our brain called dopamine when we get likes and mentions and everything else on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's why we're doing it. That's what the programmers of Facebook and Instagram and, you know, all these other apps, that's what they know and that's what they build in. Right. And it's actually, you know, there's been 2020 shows and everything on this that they actually will hold back some likes knowing that you're going to come back more and more and more until you get more of them. And then they'll release a bunch of them at once. Really? Yeah, so that you get more dopamine and they keep you coming back instead of just, you know, if, if you go a few times and don't get any likes, you know, and just sign off from Facebook, shut it down. They don't oh, want you to do that. Oh my gosh, you just explained something to me. So Facebook is open on my computer right now because I have a sixth grader on a class trip to Washington, D.C. I noticed two days ago 
that I did not receive notifications of some pictures being posted in the parent group until mm-hmm. 46 minutes after they were posted. And I yep. had been in the group because there's a, another mom who I'm, I'm friends with who's not on Facebook and she's on my son's bus. So when pictures from his bus get posted, then I've been sharing them with her. But I was like, why am I not receiving notifications for 46 minutes? That yeah. totally makes sense. They wanted me to go back. Yes. Thank you, Karen. Yeah. It's like, you know, the cocaine studies with rats. Yeah. They, they, you know, would uh, give them cocaine and then they would get hooked on it and then they would take it away and the rat would just go back and back and back and back and back, you know, until it had dire consequences because it just, it had to have it. And it's the same thing. And it triggers, you know, dopamine release in our brain. And that's why we keep doing it. So, but underneath that is the emotion, you know, that it's feeding, you know, is it acceptance? Is it, you know, you being connected? You know, what is it? And once you identify whatever that emotion is, you'll probably be able to shut some of those down and then be more productive. Oh, yeah. I will not deny that right now. I am worried about my He's not my baby boy anymore because I have three more that are or three more kids that are younger than him. But just the feeling of having one of my kids not in my town and I worry more than I should. I generally try to avoid Facebook when I can because I don't like all the negative news. But there's so much negative news out there and having one of my kids in a big city like that. I need to just tell myself that he is fine and he will be home tomorrow and all is good. Right. Now, actually, Kim, you just touched on another thing that is proliferated by app producers and media. And, you know, I don't want to get into the wrong area here, but, you know, it's negative news and sensationalism. It's been scientifically proven that that wakes up the emotional senses in our unconscious mind. And that gets us to pay attention because we are worried about something, right? It's a scientific function of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And anxiety is simply defined as we're worried about something in the future that hasn't happened yet. Right. And it's only one of many, perhaps infinite outcomes that can happen with regard to that thing. But anxiety is specifically like being tilted so much so that that's the only thing that you see happening. That's the only outcome. And that's what sells. That's what continues to tap into our emotion and keep us interested and keep us coming back. I can so see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, now I don't even watch the news. I mean, I, I unplugged my TV. I mm-hmm. killed my TV years and years ago before, you know, it was kind of a, I don't know, a thing to do. And the only time I see what's going on in the news is if someone says, hey, did you see such and such? And unfortunately, usually it's another shooting. Right. And then I go, no, I didn't see that. Because I think, you know what? I'm sorry, but how is my life going to be enhanced or, you know, my abilities or, you know, enriched by, you know, seeing that kind of stuff? Absolutely. Yeah, I can choose what I want to let into my brain. Because you know what? It's easy enough. I think it's, it's human nature. And it's, it's a subconscious pattern to get into worry and anxiety. I mean, it's really easy to go there. And if we just say, no, I don't want to go there. I want to stay in positive 
and, you know, seeing that this is going to go great for my son. He's going to have the time of his life and he's going to be totally safe and happy and productive and connected. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I'm sure this can be proven in some way too. I mean, each, I don't find out about shootings actually until I hear about them from my kids who are on social media. Mm-hmm. And because they are on social media, I mean, the school shootings, especially they're hearing about them from one school on social media. And I wouldn't be surprised if the shooters are being influenced consciously and, and unconsciously by what they're seeing as well. And, and it's just feeding into itself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let me expand on something real quick and then I'll come right back to this latest point that we're making. So when we were cavemen and cave women, our unconscious mind was really created to protect us. Right. So that's why it's so simplistic and so powerful because we had to look at whatever was going on at the time and our unconscious mind had to immediately size up whether it was a threat to us or not. And that pattern still exists today. And this is what gets tapped into with negative and sensationalized uh, headlines and school shootings and all of that, that it causes our unconscious mind to think that that is the whole world, that that is the truth that's going on. You know, that's the whole picture, but it's really not, you know, case in point, you know, there have been shootings, you know, for 50 years, but they were just never pervasive, you know, in the media or in the public. And it's only now that, you know, they've really been latched onto Mm -hmm. by many, many groups, you know, for various reasons. But I think you're exactly right. The perpetrator, you know, or the shooters, they see those things and they think that that is the only way or that is the whole picture. That's the only outcome. That's the best way. Right? Right. Because, you know, that's cavemen. That's exactly where it comes from. And, you know, unfortunately, it takes active work to realize that that's happening and then go, okay, wait a minute, I got to pull up a couple of levels because this is not all of reality here. This is only one tiny, you know, grain of sand size of all the reality that's out there. Wow. You just opened my eyes to something even, it's bigger for me just because it's more impactful in my life. Between 2015 and 2016, I was hostage of Facebook is the best way that I can say it. I would spend hours every day scrolling through trying to find my next job, idolizing other entrepreneurs who I saw with their huge success stories, whether or not they were true. You know, we don't know. Mm -hmm. But I thought that's how it had to be. I thought that's how I had to grow my business. And I got into that habit of, you know, doing what they were doing because I thought that's how it had to be done. And I went down a deep, dark rabbit hole. And then only after I hit rock bottom did I realize this is not how it has to be. But it took that big, hard hit at the bottom to wake me up. Yes. And that's actually when I did my big disconnect. I mean, I was in 180 Facebook groups at that time, Karen. Oh, yeah. 
started getting out of all those. I'm not going to say that I'm not in any groups now, but it's probably more like 20 and they're program specific. And I'm not spending hours scrolling. I've taken notifications off my phone. And yeah, Facebook is just open now for keeping an eye on my son, but I could easily shut it and go over the pictures with him tomorrow when he gets home. And my friend can wait until I get those. We need to stop letting our unconscious tell us that we're at the whim of everybody else's expectations. Absolutely. Yeah. And let me just comment on the change, the transformation that you went through, because I see this a lot in my work and working with human beings, which I love, by the way, I love and I'm a total student of human beings. So I find that transitions, like you just mentioned, are usually facilitated by such a great level of pain that we've got to get to that rock bottom. We've got to get to that pain, which I call an opener, because it's when we get to that level of pain, then we are finally open to seeing that thing for what it really is and what it's costing us. And then we're open to changing things so that we can transform and get something different. So is there a way to get to that pain before hitting rock bottom? Yes. What a great question. Yes. The way to get to that pain is to just like play the tape out. You know, so if in 2015, you were starting to go down the rabbit hole, and then all of a sudden you paused and said, okay, where is this really going? If I keep doing things the same way, where am I going to end up? And then you can go into that pain of just playing out the circumstances logically, play the tape through, and then you'll see it and you'll also feel it. So like we talked about before, you'll see it and it will be so visceral and, you know, full of emotion, like painful. And then you can go, okay, wait a minute. I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I real ick. No, no, not going to do that. So then you can pull back and then make a different decision and then connect that decision, like playing the tape through and seeing, feeling and hearing what that is going to be like. Right. Yeah. So how can we get our unconscious to give ourselves that time? And the focus to actually do that exercise, because I've seen, and you've probably seen it as well, so many entrepreneurs who won't even give themselves that break, who don't see that glimmer. And I don't mean glimmer in a good way. I mean, they just can't see that that's where they're headed. I didn't see it, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to see it. I wanted to think that what I was seeing on the internet was, you know, that's real. That's where I'm going to be. I just need to keep on hustling, sleeping two to three hours a night. That's totally fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to make lots of money, you know, but that's not the case. Mm -hmm. In that point of exhaustion that I was in, Mm -hmm. I wasn't giving myself that space. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. What would have broken through to you at that point, in that point of exhaustion? I needed actually somebody to ask me, is this what you want to be doing? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because at that point, I didn't want to be doing what I was doing. I was doing it purely for income. 
But I had never even thought to ask myself, is this what you want to be doing? If I had just asked myself that, or if somebody else had asked me that, I probably would have stopped and thought about it. Right. This is why coaching is so valuable. This is what we do with clients. I bet it's what you do with clients. I mean, a good coach, this is what they'll do. They'll ask questions, right? Thank you for saying that. A good coach, that's what they'll do. Yeah, because a bad coach will just tell you what to do. A good coach will actually ask you questions like, is this really what you want to be doing? And that's what I was going to say to you even before I asked you that question is when we're in that loop of exhaustion, if you will, I think it's even more important to have someone else, someone outside yourself that can ask you questions like that. And honestly, I think this is why you know, we're seeing coaching, you know, just explode as an industry, because I think it's so needed that because of our social state, we're so tilted because of, you know, all the reasons that we just talked about, that we actually need someone else outside of ourselves to ask us those questions. Because I'll be the first one to admit, and like you just said, Kim, You could have asked yourself that question, but you didn't. And even though I'm a highly skilled coach and I do this every day for a living, I'm not good at coaching myself. I'm great at coaching other people. Yeah, (laughs) I had a coach then and they never asked me that. So that's why I reemphasized a good coach. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just take that all the way through. So Mm -hmm. to me, a really good coach is a coach that has formal training. Yeah that has a lot of experience. This is not just someone who they're good at giving advice and they don't have any formal training or experience working with a lot of different people on a lot of different things so that they get really skilled at, first of all, picking up, you know, those neuro-linguistic things, which just means the words that you're using and the, the things you're not saying that picks up on those and then from those can ask you the best question. Because I guarantee if you had a really good coach at that time, you wouldn't have gone down that rabbit hole and they would have picked up those neuro-linguistic things and gone, Kim, is this really what you want to be doing? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The shift from having to do things to getting to do things has been huge. And I wish that just somebody would have said, well, do you have to do it? You know, just those minor shifts. And I Mm -hmm. listen to those things with people when I'm talking to them, clients and acquaintances. Why do you have to? Like, why aren't you doing something that you get to do? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So what you're doing there is you're really reorienting someone's perspective Because like we talked about earlier, we can get tilted so quickly and so twisted in our perspective that we just see one way. It's got to be this way. I have to do this until someone else can ask you, okay, do you have to do that? You know, you're basically interrogating their current reality or what they think is their current reality. Oh, I love that. That was an awesome way of putting it. How did you discover that this is what you wanted to do? Like I said, it came from being a student of human beings. And I think I had this underlying purpose 
that took me 25 plus years to really come into, into contact with or bring into clarity that I really wanted to help others by making a difference with them. I mean, for 25 years, I think I was probably the typical commercial minded consumer. You know, I just wanted to make more money at work and be more successful at work and, you know, have a big house and nice cars and take good vacations and, you know, all of that crap until I got to a point of pain, which actually was the worst boss in the entire world. And I, at the time, I called him a pathetic excuse for a human being because he was. And like we talked about earlier, it was that pain that finally opened up my eyes. It was like a coach asking me, is this really what you want to be doing? Mm -hmm. That I came into contact with what had been living in my gut for 20 years. You know, I felt it in my gut. I felt this nagging feeling like, you know, every time I would spend more money on clothes or, you know, buy a new car, that nagging feeling would get bigger. And I would think, what am I doing here? And finally, when this all came to a head in 2005, I thought, you know what? I don't want this. I do not want this. And then I played the tape through and looked down the road and said, nope, I don't want any part of where this is going. And I I really want to do something else where I can really make a difference in the lives of other people. And I'll tell you what, Kim, every one of my, because I was in commercial real estate at the time and I was highly successful. Every one of my commercial real estate friends said I was crazy. They said, you are absolutely out of your mind. Why are you going to step away from this really successful, high paying, secure gig to like go out and find yourself and become an entrepreneur and run your own business? You are nuts. And I said, you know what? This is not what I'm supposed to do in this life. I just feel it like deep in my soul. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Why do you think fear gets more power than hopes and dreams? Because of our unconscious mind. Because that's the way it's wired from caveman. Mm. So it's really the evolution. What we're doing here, and this is why I love my work so much, because it's pioneering work where we are rewiring our habitual thought patterns of our unconscious mind. So we talked about earlier where, you know, the pretty typical pattern is going to the negative side, going to the fearful side, you know, I can't possibly do that, or this isn't going to work out, you know, all of those things. That's because it came from our unconscious mind protecting us in caveman times. Well, it's no longer caveman times. And so now what we have to do is actively rewire our unconscious mind to utilize new thought patterns. So case in point, you know, when we're working with clients, we'll ask them questions. Well, where does this come from? And then, okay, what's a new thought pattern? What's a different thought pattern that you can utilize that will actually bring you more of what you want? And then it's just continuing to actively change it every time you come across the former or the old negative thought pattern. So if, if your listeners are familiar with um, the book, The Power of Habit, 
in that book, they're starting to, you know, work with that and changing a habit. Well, it's the same thing, but more uh, on steroids at a higher level in changing your thought patterns, your unconscious thought patterns. And really, it just all starts from the awareness of them first, and then having a balanced view of, okay, well, what's really going on here? And what do I want? And what's a thought pattern that I can change this to that'll get me more of what I want? Mm. A couple of weeks ago, my 15 year old, we found out that he hadn't been doing homework as he should have been. He was putting more energy and thought into his video games. So he lost his computer privileges for a little bit. And his uh-huh. attitude really took a dive because he wanted his computer. So I told him to read Think Better, Live Better by Joel Osteen. And Uh he got it. He was talking to me about it. He sat, he didn't want to be that far from his computer. So he was in my office with me reading it in an armchair out here. And he was talking to me about it that night. Then he got grouchy again. And I was like, well, that didn't work. So tomorrow you can either read that again or we'll watch something or we'll read something else. So the next night I had him watch I Am Not Your Guru with me. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing just after those two. Well, it has been amazing. It wasn't amazing, but it has been amazing over the last couple of weeks. Just seeing his shift. Mm. Just the slight changes in thought pattern that have, you know, multiple slight changes that have added up into something bigger. I mean, last night he actually finished up an assignment a night early rather ah. than waiting till tonight to finish it up. Yeah. And we've been talking more. And I told him, I mean, I used words that would require an E on the podcast, but I told him, I'm not trying to be a B, you know, I'm not trying to be a B mom, Mm -hmm. but these are things that you need to think about. How can you be thinking differently every day and working on your goals in a different way that will help you get what you want, that will be contributing to something bigger in the end? Mm. I saw him at the beginning, just be sort of blank, but in the past couple weeks i've seen the light bulb turn on quite literally light dawns in marblehead (laughs) (laughs) so getting his unconscious to stop going first to his computer but instead go first to his homework and to chores has been amazing yeah and kim wow i say congratulations first of all and second of all what you did there is important for this reason, because first of all, you're right by you asking that question and not telling him, right? You didn't tell him what to do. You just asked him the question that opened up his unconscious mind. And that's the other reason why he sort of gave you that blank look, you know, when you first asked it, because he didn't know what the answer was, but you asked the question that, permeated his unconscious. Mm -hmm. So it had to, and it was, you know, it's like jumpstarting your car. Yeah. Right. It's dead. And, you know, he wasn't used to using it until you asked that very good question. And then boom, it was like, oh, okay, we're turned on now. What, what's the question? And then, you know, the next day you started seeing changes because here's the thing. We all have the answers. Within us, we all have the answers. They're not outside of us, but what is outside of us is somebody asking the question to open up the answers. 
there's a great piece of uh, study that I did in neuro-linguistic programming. And what they talk about is that it's going to come out in more of a quote that people rarely do what we tell them. They almost always do what they think up. Yeah, I can see that, especially with my kids. <laughs> oh, yeah, especially yeah. with kids. Yes. Don't touch that hot pan. And then they turn around and mm -hmm. they touch the hot pan. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the same thing with every human being, though. We all have our own answers within us. We just need to ask the right question to bring it out. Ooh, and sometimes that's even the biggest battle, finding that right question. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So the more we empower others in our life to ask us questions rather than to give us advice or tell us what to do, the better off we are. What is one question that you would like the listeners to think about today? What am I really capable of? Because I also think that as human beings, I think a lot of us play it safe or go for the safe thing or the sure thing. I'm a high achiever, but I caught myself doing that for 25 years until I thought about the Ironman World Championships. And man, when I thought about that, I thought I would vomit. I mean, I would break out in a cold sweat because I didn't know for a fact that I could do it. And I knew that it would stretch me beyond any previous or perceived limit I had. And yet it was the thing that threw open the gate to my purpose, my passion, and you know my work. What I'm truly meant to do, the difference I'm meant to make in this world. And so that's what I want listeners to think about. You know, what are you truly capable of? Because I think a lot of times, even if we ask ourselves that question and, and we can answer it, I still would wager that we're thinking too small. I think too small every single day. Yeah. And it's only just become that clear to me. Mm -hmm. Stop thinking small listeners. Think big. Yeah. Go for the biggest part of it. Just think big, right? Yeah. In fact, I saw a presentation about this yesterday from a futurist, which was really cool. And he said, think 10 times. So whatever you're going for, whatever you think you're capable of, take it out 10 times as big. Go for that. That is so huge. I just needed to leave the pause. Like, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. Because wow. then when you do, when you do these other things that we've talked about, yeah. when you take it out 10 times bigger, and then you tap into it with your unconscious mind, what it will look, feel, sound like to achieve, and what it will be along the way, it's getting into that flow state, right? Where the momentum just occurs and you have the right conversations at the right time. And you, you know, you happen across the right person at the right time with the right information, like all of it just starts coming together. It truly is amazing. And it happens all the time. And we know when it's happening because we can feel it. You know, it, it feels like you're in the flow. It feels like you have momentum. It feels so much easier. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Versus, you know, white knuckling it, trying to shove something through. Yeah, absolutely. That 
usually when we're doing that, we've thought too small. It's like trying to get a tennis ball into your muffler on your car. Yes. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Yeah. 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 Or a watermelon into your muffler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're just going to wind up with watermelon soup. And I know that's not what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Be brave. Yeah. Be brave. Ask, what am I capable of? Wow. This has been absolutely enlightening. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, I mentioned to you in the pre-chat, I love how inspired I get in every single episode with a guest. And listeners, I hope you have felt the same type of inspiration as I have today. So I'm going to ask that you go over to the show notes page at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP382 and leave your comments below and I'll make sure to forward them on to Karen. Because yeah, there's so much great insight. And actually, that's where links will be. Karen, where can listeners find you online and connect with you? They can go to velocityleadershipconsulting.com. Awesome. And I know you had something that you wanted to offer as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm really jazzed about this. So just for you and your listeners, I created this playlist of five really short videos on how to incorporate these techniques for the results that you desire. And so if your listeners go to velocityleadershipconsulting.com forward slash positive. Those videos will be there for them. And yeah, use them, test them out, uh, send me your comments. And also on the same landing page, you can pick up my book, which has these and a couple of other keys, scientifically proven keys to success in it. And you can also set up a live chat with me. I am going to have to go watch the playlist. I'm just letting you know, I will be opting in as soon as you okay. get here. So thank you so much. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Yes. Conquer limiting beliefs. This is the reason I wrote my book. Because all of us suffer inaction from limiting beliefs. That thought or that belief that comes in, well, you know, how could I possibly do that? Or I don't have enough money, skill, time, talent, you know, or, or the level that it takes to do that. You know, after you've thought of something 10 times bigger than the limiting belief usually comes in. And there's a very simple, quick way in the videos that I've offered on how to conquer limiting beliefs and actually transform them into unlimiting beliefs. And that actually taps into the power of your unconscious mind. So unlimit your beliefs for unlimited success. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.